podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast COVID edition. Well, we're totally in COVID for 2020. I don't know why I'm saying that otherwise. Okay. Woo! Welcome. Okay. I'm your host, Erica Lance, and with me today is co-host Valerie Willis and Vanessa Valiente. And our guest today is Scott Meehan. Okay, we always talk about before drinking first, Scott, so that people can drink along if they want to. Okay. So I have gin and elderberry tonic with a little bit of pomegranate juice. I'm super fancy. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds fancy. What that means. I'm going to be like 180 because I'm drinking it out of a spaghetti jar. (laughs) <laughs> with my ginger whiskey and coke ginger whiskey and coke <laughs> and i'm drinking angry orchard rosé and scott what are you drinking with us okay well you know i was gonna go just with an original coca-cola but i found a um a nice fancy drink that i like now it's it's a mixture of guava juice and iced tea and i make it myself and it's um actually really good Wow, you're super fancy. You're super fancy. <laughs> I take back my fanciness claim. Okay. <laughs> but only for the next 10 minutes. I'm going to go back to being fancy. Okay. <laughs> so, Scott, um, you are a writer, which is awesome. What? When did you start writing? Because you were um, in the military. Do you want to talk a little bit about your military and how you got to where you were a writer? Sure. Well, I, I joined the Army in, in 1980. And... Uh, did, did seven years as an enlisted soldier, um, got out, went to ROTC in college in Central Florida, uh, came back in as an officer, and retired in 05. So a total time frame of 25 years in the military. The, um, the last, yeah, the last couple, 03 to 05 in Iraq. Um, but I started writing not long after I retired. Tired. I did. I did go back to Iraq one more year with a contractor. Uh, that was in 06 and 07. So when I came back in 07, that's when I started writing. And I thought that I would write. Um, well, I, I kind of thought all along it, uh, during my career. Says you know, I, I've been through all these different um, things, and I tell so many stories. And everyone says you tell great stories. So well, I don't put it down on paper and start writing about it. So that's that's where I started writing. Did you ever write before that, or did you just do it after retirement? Well, I I wrote, uh, but nothing on a grand scale. It, it was uh, some small articles, uh, the magazines, maybe some uh, letters to the editor. I, I was published a couple times in Time Magazine and letters to the editor type of stuff, um, and, and and wrote in my journal personal journal the, those kind of things and that's that's one reason why I was able to remember a lot of stuff is I kept a uh, record in, in the journal uh, especially uh, during Desert Storm in 91 that's I think that's when I started really writing the journal um, but yeah as far as uh, putting them into books I, yeah, I didn't start that until 07. Wow. wow wow okay so then you decide because I think every great storyteller as long as um they uh, have the discipline with our good authors. Um, so what is the first 
um, published work that you had? Well, the, the very first one we did, I, I did it with a co-author because, uh, you know, I was new to it and I wasn't quite sure um, how how it went. And, and he was explaining to me, this is back in 07, you have to remember, uh, this thing called Create Space from Amazon and you can publish your own works on, on Amazon. And I'm saying, oh, days of Create Space. <laughs> and, I, and I would always mispronounce it and everyone has to correct me, and it, I always say, create a space. And they're like, no, it's create space. Create space, And, it, yeah. and I want to put the in there every time. <laughs> and, and, and that's where, where I, he and I put together a novel. He, he uh, had written before for kids, children books, fantasy. And so uh, I, what I did on that one was a, semi, a semi-autobiography, uh, but I ad lib, you know, uh, some some of my background woven in with some of his fantasy. He brought in um, the the you know the the books Angels Demons or any of Frank Peretti's books uh, Present Darkness where the angels and the devils are in the background that kind oh, of thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So so we kind of uh, um, engaged, you know, converged that together and came up with a large novel, um, and then we we just put it out there through Create Space. It's called. Uh, Prince of Babylon, and he had all these fancy names for angels and demons and whatnot. And it's it's really a really cool story. I it's one of my favorite stories. However, uh, uh, both of us said that one day we need to go back and have it edited because we never never really had it edited. <laughs> yeah, we just put it out there. Because Vanessa is an editor for a publication company. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so Vanessa didn't want to hear that. She probably could. <laughs> yeah, if you, if, you know, if you can get past some of the uh, the, the um, verbiage and mistakes and whatnot, it's actually a pretty cool story. But um, anyway, That's awesome. So that, that was the first one, and that was the one we did in 07. We actually had uh, a literary agent um, interested in that one. He, he said, you guys can write good, and he sent the paperwork for the contract and, and, and all this stuff, and we were kind of moving along. I even met him personally at Walt Disney World, and and then um, he he had a, he regretted that he had to pull out because his father got real ill, and he had to go home and take care of his father. So that one that went out by the wayside, and and I haven't really been in touch with one personally one on one since then. Oh wow! Mm. Wow! Well, that's unfortunate. Okay, so yeah. then. After that um, non-edited book, as a disclaimer here on Drinking with Authors, we do not <laughs> put out non-edited books. Editing is a huge part of the process. Okay, so then what is your next um, publication? My second one was when I did my first solo, and that was published in 2011. Um, so, you know, it was, so it was between 07 and 09, somewhere in there that we were pushing the Prince of Babylon and and trying to get the literary see, see one reason why we didn't have it edited because the literary agent said don't worry about it once we get it published they'll have editors and all that kind of stuff so we didn't think about it but anyways I went on and I did my autobiography and that's called Stone in the Sling uh, that was, that's the uh, the nonfiction one that I did about my career and, and when that first came out it, it was um, on this kind of cover right here oh wow <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I I have since when you're showing, yeah. I have since seen this cover um, somewhere with a, with some sort of apocalypse story. So I had somebody else do a cover for me, and I went to this one. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and because that's my, um, that was based off one of my own pictures, a silhouette, and they just put some fancy background on it. Um, so I did that one, and then about um, a year later, 2012, um, I signed on with iUniverse thinking that uh, my book would get a little more publicity and get out and about more. I, I signed some sort of package deal with them where they would do, you know, they promised the world, and they would do two books, that one. And, and my first novel I wrote, um, at the time it, with, with iUniverse, it was called uh, Eternal Eye. It was a time traveler uh, type. This is the, the cover, but it's a different title, Duty Recall, and I changed the title. Right. But that's a, that's a, um, a time travel. And uh, that cover, since since that was iUniverse, I will change to this one. Um, oh, have, oh, oh, that's yes. much better, yeah. Yeah, professional, a professional did that did very well, and um, so I had those two with iUniverse, but I there were some things, and, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this in radio shows about other uh, publishers or anything like that. Go for it. We trust me. You don't want to get me when I get a little more drink in me. You should hear what I say about other publishers. <laughs> so. Anyways, after those two books, and, and they didn't really promise me the world. They kept wanting more money for this and more money than that. And even to order my own books was was uh, probably twice or three times as high as when I ordered my own from Amazon. So I, I kind of pulled away from my universe and started doing my own thing again. No, that's the smart thing to do because so and, and this is a good time if you don't mind for me to do a little disclaimer. We have a small okay. publication company that we started in January. We jo it's called Four Horsemen Publications. Our joke is we're bringing the publishing apocalypse because we're really tired of the publication thing. What you got involved with is a vanity press that makes it appear like they're a genuine publisher yes. that wants to help you, but, but you pay, it, you pay I, so much money and they don't they don't give it to you and give you what they should for it. And it really that and other things that happen with traditional publishers drive me completely crazy because they take somebody who has art and is trying to get their art into the world and make yeah. it so you you get disappointed and pushed down and all this other stuff. And it, it's hard and it's sometimes hard for people to recover from having the levels yeah. of disappointment that can occur from that. It really does drive yeah. me crazy. And, and the shift below that is a lot of people don't realize that there is a, a subsect. So you got vanity presses where you don't really have much control over your cover or the design of the book. The better step would be if you're going to decide to self publish, but you want a contractor to handle that you do a, a author services where you get to approve the cover and have a say so in every aspect. Um, Stop pushing off their services. Shut up and drink your whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> no. okay. But it's yeah. better to have a publisher because they handle it. They know how to yeah. market it. They push the book, right. and you can just write, and that's every writer's dream. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't very wise when it came to the what you call the vanity, I, and 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 to to make matters worse, um, I did it a second time. Um, I didn't learn my lesson the first time because I had a. Um, uh, an acquisition officer called me and said, "Hey, oh, so this this kind of goes into the third book. I, I started a um, um, a series. It began with um, the Green Berets going into Afghanistan uh, right after 9/11. Um, one of the Green Berets, a medic, 
was sent to a local um, hospital to help the medical staff there work on some casualties. And there he meets this uh, Afghan girl who's a nurse working for her stepfather, who's the doctor. And, and they kind of hit it off. Um, anyways, um, just to kind of give you a little background, her, her dad was a Soviet officer from when the Russians were there. And then he had married, um, got together with one of the local girls there. And, and she was a baby when the Russians left and she got left behind. She, they couldn't take her. And the mother got killed in the, in the firefight. But anyways, so the Taliban is ready to execute her because someone uh, reported that she's talking to this American soldier. You know, and, and he gets wind of it that they're about to execute her. So he takes a couple of his buddies and a couple of the uh, Afghan people that are helping and they rescue her. And during that firefight, they all get separated and she leads them up this mountain trail to a hidden cave where they hide out. And that's where the relationship really develops. And, and then the rest is history. They try to get linked back up with his team. And uh, so it's it's a military romance. Oh, wow. uh, nice. It's called Love in the House of War. Uh, the first, and, and back then I, I tried a pen name to try to pull away from uh, um, High Universe. So I, then I was going by Al M. Scott, and that was the Love in the House of War. Oh. And and then uh, somebody read that, an acquisition officer read that for a company called um, Tate Publishing. I don't know if you ever heard of Tate Publishing. Yes. Yeah. You look at you too, like, look at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well. Tate Publishing did two so books. Many of their books hit uh, my day job. We we usually have to take them, revamp them, and and get authors uh, set up that way. Gotcha. From under their contracts. So. Uh, well, well, Tate Tate Publishing uh, did two books. Also, one of those two for one deals, of course. Uh, promised me the world just like a universe and I didn't learn my lesson the first time so they gave me this cover for the love in the house of war and and then uh, the second one uh, you know the uh, Afghan girl and the American guy you know spoiler alert uh, the second book is set 12 years later um, they're, they're married they're at Fort Campbell Kentucky uh, they have a 12 year old girl and um, and two two sons, um, ten and eight, and um, he goes on to Iraq um, on a secret mission. He has to rescue uh, uh, an Afghan girl. I'm, I'm sorry, an Iraqi girl in Fallujah, where ISIS um, came in and started taking over. And the, the tribe that the special forces were working in back in the 04 and 05 time frame requested that they come take his daughter out of here before the ISIS takes her. And they had some information to exchange. And um, so anyways, that's all the second book It's called flame in paradise. And that's, that's the um, uh, cover for that one. And actually there's, there's two covers. And again, under my uh, a name, uh, pen name, but um, that, that was the second book of that series. Now mention, remember I mentioned, um, the twelve-year-old girl. Her name was Asha. Asha Hawkins. Yeah. And oh, by the way, um, when when I broke away from from Tate, I went back independent. Went back to my real name and changed the title of that one, The Hawkins Army of One. So, <laughs> so anyways, and her name, the twelve-year-old, was named Asha Hawkins. Now that's significant. And I'll tell you all about that when you're ready. But I'll let you. Um, no, wait, no, go ahead. 
please. This is your podcast. We just oh, okay. <laughs> you so, what you want to. That's the cool part of this. Is we're we're all about the drinking and the learning things. Okay. And I hope that you have a combination here. You have a combination of a book that that sort of recounts your own experience in the military, right. but then you've also developed military romances, and I love yeah. that that idea, that so, concept. Scott, I, have, I do have a question. I have a publishing okay. question. Please do not take this as I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm about to put you on the spot. Okay. Um, because um, in looking you up and looking your name, first of all, you don't appear to have an author page on Amazon. Um, actually, I, I do have one on Amazon, author page. But it's not linked to any of your books. Well, it uh, should be. I, I, it, I, I, I'm, I'm on it right now. I super promise it's not linked to any of your books. Oh, that's um, that's odd. Sideline, we'll, we'll, we'll send an email after this. If you, if <laughs> yeah. you want a little assistance, yes. we will jump in and assist a okay. little bit on this. And, and, and what I'll, what I'll do is, um, somewhere in here or during the break, I'll send you the link to it, and you can see all the books on my author page. I don't know why it's not coming from the outside. That's kind of strange, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up, though. Yeah, because the there's some sort of paint down Amazon. Yeah, so we were because we were looking at you, and I'm like, we're finding it, but they're interspersed, and we don't even see all those books. So that's a anyway, that's a separate topic. But um, yeah. so what made you decide to go down the romance route? Because um, well, you know, I I just wanted to try different things. The first one, of course, was um, I did my autobiography, and, and I did the time travel. So let's try romance and see, I'm just getting started. The, the, the romance sequel was more of a, a thriller, kind of a, um, a spy thriller with ISIS and, and the special forces in Iraq. And, and, uh, there's a spy from the Mossad and the KGB involved and all that other kind of stuff. So, but what I'm about to tell you is, mm -hmm. is um, what I, what I launched from that and where I'm at now based on that. And then I'm not sure how far, how far out you want me to go. <laughs> but that's, no, go, uh, go all the way. So the 12-year-old in, in that second book I showed you, Asha Hawkins, okay, um, years later, um, she becomes, and I wrote this in 2014, and, and I'm telling you this because it's significant. She becomes the first female Green Beret to take after her dad. Okay, and her, her name is Asha Hawkins, and that book is called The uh, Millennial Girl. Yes. Even, even, though, even though she's really, when she was born in 02, she's really a Gen Z, but, but um, there's, there's a reason why she's a millennial girl, and I'll get to that, that later. Um, but there was, uh, and, and that was strictly independent. That was with no, no publisher at all. And I also tried some other little things um, from that. Um, uh, you know, James. You know, of course, James Patterson. He mm -hmm. had these things called um, these small books. I forget what he calls them. Pocket the novellas. What is it? The novellas. Well, they're smaller than that. Even uh, he's got a name for them on, on his site. Well, I, I tried this thing called Books One Hundred. Uh, where you write B O O K S with a one in front of the two two O's, but where where there were going to be a hundred pages, little little uh, quick reads, and and I kind of broke it down. So this was this was the Millennial Girl Part One, and and then uh, this one was a fantasy uh, based off in, in the um, in the novel. She's in a coma for a period of time, but it doesn't 
you know, it doesn't really expound on that in the book. But this book here is all about her time in her coma. It's a fantasy one. Uh, in, in this land called uh, the quantum zone. She's not dead, she's not alive, but she's in the quantum zone. So I did that one based off of that. So that was my first attempt at fantasy. Um, so, cool. so anyway, she, she uh, in that book, Millennial Girl, um, wh what I incorporated into that, uh, first of all, as the first female Green Beret, she's on a mission to stop human trafficking. Uh, there, there was a, uh, a rash of human traffickers uh, kidnapping young girls from Washington, D.C. area, but they weren't just plain young girls. They were daughters of high-ranking officials. Oh, and, wow. And, and it turns out that um, the, the guy behind it was this multi-billionaire uh, American living in Dubai, and his, he made his billions on um, artificial intelligence, uh, making those human robot types of things. So he's using all these human traffic victims as replicators. Uh, you know, some, some guy sees um, some girl and, and says, I want one like that or something like that. So they have to kidnap these different people and, and they replicate them into robots type of thing. So um, the president himself gets Asha Hawkins uh, to recruit her own little team and they, and they go over there and, and, uh, you know they take care of business, and I won't give the story away. And they, and they, um, you know, get the girls back, and and all this other kind of stuff. And and one of the climaxes uh, is Asha Hawkins fighting their their champion um, robot. This billionaire liked those Friday night fight types of things, and he always had a champion robot. Well, their champion robot was Cyrix, uh, a robot called Cyrix, and it killed anything that ever. So they they set up. You know, they, um, they they captured Asha, and they had to fight at the end. So I won't tell you how that turns out. But. Yeah, don't give away that. I, by the <laughs> way, I found your author page, and I see why it's not linking. Why isn't it linking? Because it, it's under Scott A. Meehan. Ah, so yeah. Under yeah. Just Scott Meehan. So you know, you know why I had to put that out there? You got to add that back in if you want yes. this to You know why I had to put the A in there? Is there another Scott Meehan? There are a lot of Scott Meehans out there. No, uh, it makes sense, but that's how I eventually <laughs> found you is going down that rabbit hole. But yeah. I should have said that, Scott A. Meehan, yeah. Scott A. Meehan, but you also have to put that on your books because you only have Scott on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, well, my, my, my last couple of books, I did I did do that, I think. Yeah, yeah in fact, um, that's um, this, this latest one. Uh, what I did is I had a several short stories, mm -hmm. and and um, but not enough to really uh, make into an anthology. So I, I uh, recruited some some folks, uh, some uh, neighbors. I mean, there's there's across the street. There's some there was a ten year old girl and there was a sixteen year old girl that wrote. So I got their stories, and and so the it's all of all ages. And in the school where I was uh, substitute teaching, some of them submitted their poetry, and so. Um, I put all that together and other stories and put this anthology together and it's called 21st Century Pulps. I love and, that. I love that cover. And it says yeah. Scott A. Meehan on that one. It's got that the, one does say Scott A. And no, in fact, the poster is up there on the wall with for it. The, um, uh, <laughs> so anyways, there's there's that one. That was the last, last work I did. But I'm probably most excited about the one I'm working on right now. 
And okay, tell us about that one. Yes, yeah, that one's that one's due. That one is due to be released in um, September thirtieth. September thirtieth. Okay, this one this one involves Asha Hawkins again. Now, I'll give you a, I'll give you a backstory. Uh, I started writing this in twenty nineteen in June. It was my it was my shot at apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, wait, wait, wait until you hear the rest of the story. So, um, is there a virus in it? A pandemic? And this, yeah, I can give you my website stuff. It tells you, it gives you some back. But anyways, she and her protege is one of those artificial intelligent robots. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to give a spoiler alert here, but anyway, she has a, a, a protege, an artificial intelligent robot, because she, that was her um, background in, in bio, uh, medical, and all that, and she in robotics, and she was this real smart girl, and so she has a protege that that teams with her, um, and anyways, so the two of them, uh, they're 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 going to Budapest uh, because uh, a, a neutron bomb was released and it. And I know this is going to sound cliche, but it released a pandemic viral type that was wiping out humans. I wrote this in 2019, and this this, um, this virus was spreading around across Europe, and and it came to the U.S. and it caused all this civil unrest. And, and uh, yeah. oh my God, are you are you a seer? Are yeah. you a and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm writing this, and and the real stuff started coming out. So I put it on hold. I said, "Okay, wait a minute. I was going to release this, but let me put this on hold now, and let me, let me uh, integrate some real life stuff into it, which I have been doing. And one of those, and this is what's really interesting, is the actual first female Green Beret took place this past July. She graduated. Yes, oh, I saw that. God. Yes, in New York, it was in the New York Times. So um, I'm I'm kind of kind of molding around. I had to change her age a little bit." And, and uh, to, to make it more realistic, and her rank, I had her graduate in West Point, but the real one is actually a National Guard and, and enlisted. So I kind of switched that around a little bit. Uh, but but the bottom line is, um, yeah, it, it's, it's the end times. It's like the seven-year tribulation. Uh, three and a half years into it, um, Asha disappears, okay, because uh, she's one of those... Um, in, in the rapture, so the the Cy, the um, Cyrix is is left behind, and she's telling the story. She's telling uh, what's what's going on. She talks about what you know what Asha did graduating high school and getting the Green Beret during COVID and what was going on in the U.S. and and all these things. So the story's from her uh, first person perspective. Uh, the first half of the story. The second half of the story is a small group of. Um, uh, survivors that come upon that um, that hidden cave bunker in the Badlands, and they find Cyrix. But that one's from the perspective of the 16-year-old girl, and it's like the one across the street. I'm using her as a model, and she helps me with the journal, talking about what happened after her parents disappeared, and how these how she joined up with the survivors, and how they found this this uh, uh, human robot, and and stuff like that. So that. And so that takes the last three and a half years, and and the both both uh, what they have in common, Cyrix, the the robot, and the sixteen-year-old girl, is they hope that after the seven years, when after the Battle of Armageddon and the return of the Millennial, that's why the Millennial girl comes, that Asha will come back and her parents will come back. 
for the Millennial Kingdom. And that's that's what uh, that one's due out September 30th. That's super exciting. What is the title of that one? Silence in Heaven. Awesome. That yeah, is very uh, cool. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll be happy to send you some, some links that tells you a little bit. In, in fact, um, uh, I have been sending out uh, the first chapter and maybe the first couple of chapters to, to some of those, so I can send you out a chapter. In fact, I'd love to send you out the first chapter. I'd uh, love that. That would be awesome. I'd love to read that. Yeah, um, okay. The question I have for you, because um, you went from uh, working with a literary agent, and though that fell through, to Vanity Press, to self-publishing yourself, what are some of the tribulations you've discovered as a self-publisher that you didn't expect to come across uh, in self-publishing? As, as a self-publisher? Um, the, the fact that you, that I, that I can't seem to, uh, I don't know, I haven't cracked that nut yet as far as uh, getting out there and people knowing, like you all didn't, you didn't even know my, my site was there. So you, you probably see my, my autobiography has a, a big whopping uh, 26 reviews and it's been up since uh, 2011 you know so no one knows about me that that's that's the biggest heartache uh, being self-published so as far as wanting to be noticed i'd love to be um, traditionally published but i have not um so to speak really reached out to literary agents on any of those books since back then except for this i think silence in heaven i'm going to start putting together some query letters and start sending it out and see if I can't um, get a hit on this one, maybe. No, totally. No, I think that's a, I think that's a good idea. Okay, we're coming up on 30 minutes, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Scott Meehan on Drinking With Authors. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. back with with scott okay vanessa vanessa had a question yeah so i was interested like you said your first project the one that you co-wrote with a friend you didn't you know do any kind of editing so now that you're self-publishing are you how like are you having other beta readers read your books and edit or how are you going about that avenue um a little bit of everything i've actually had um different editors now of course um, iUniverse and and Tate Publishing um, claimed they edited that book, the, those books that went through them. Um, now um, I have I've had uh, beta readers read. Right now, this Silence in Heaven. Um, I finally got my wife to to edit. She's an English teacher, and um, and that's um, I say hey, I really need this one. You, can you think you can take some time to do it? I say, yeah, go ahead. And so. Um, <laughs> yeah okay her name is in the acknowledgments that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i've had a lot i've had a lot of uh, folks email me wanting to edit um, or wanting to um, advertise publicize uh, all these different things and, and i keep getting calls and emails and everything all the time in the last several years 
uh, to get my book out there. But of course, the uh, the catch is that everyone wants about a thousand dollars or so out of my pocket, and I said, hey, yeah, well, not today. You know, I can't do that right now. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, that and they're not actually they don't actually help. I hate to say it, yeah. but pretty yeah. much any of those advertisers don't actually. A lot of times they'll throw a price at you all day, but when you start asking the tough questions, like what is the percentage that you've increased a sales? Yeah. How much of a rank jump do the average customer jump when one of your ads run? What how was the size of your newsletter? So like when you go to like book Bub or Bargain Booksy, which I highly recommend any self-publisher to utilize, they show you the numbers and they show you, like I get an email by Written Word Media who, who says Bargain Booksy, uh, I think Red Feather Romance and stuff. They'll say, hey, in the last three months, we've added X amount of newsletter. Would you be interested in, in, in launching again? Uh, another campaign so they give me a reason why i would run it twice with them even because they show the shift and change in the numbers so if they can't provide numbers and you can't find them and you can't see the work they're doing it's no bueno Mm -hmm. they're they're more they're in marketing you should be able to find their work someplace right and that's that's usually the the make or break moment it's just like a tattoo artist and this is something i've been quoted from book distributors like amy collin uh you don't just let any tattoo artist tattoo you because that's permanent and that's going to stick yeah. with you for life. For sure. You want to see a portfolio. You want to see the work they've done before yeah. you let them touch you and 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 your and who you are. Well, this this might be a good time to ask you, even though um, uh, the focus has, has been on me, and we can get back to me, I guess. But it might be a good time. <laughs> How, how, how's uh, tell me about four horsemen? <laughs> oh, we, we can yeah, briefly, I mean, but then we can take uh, it offline. So we started four horsemen. I I started um, the idea of it over a year ago, and then I ran into Val, and it was the yin and the yang of making this a complete process. But we're all published authors, and what we ran into was what it takes to self-publish, what it takes to. Um, try to get traditionally and it's it can be heartbreaking as an author because you want your work out there as you've said and what we found is we feel pretty much the publishing industry is doing it wrong and has made it into a place where only the people that they want only the genres they want only the books that they want get published and it's a very long wait to get a book out there so like if you go traditional publishing I think the average pay is between six and ten percent uh-huh. of your sales after um, things their after yeah. their take, and only like one percent of the books do they put any effort into actually advertising and getting out there. And so, when you look at being able to make money as an author, um, uh, you there's a whole way to do it. So we went, you know, we're going to do this differently. We we can do this differently. We've been there. We've done that. We all have T-shirts. Um, so we're going to do it uh, very differently than it is. And so we have very much the idea that in order for an author to be really successful, unless by chance your book somehow gets published and picked up and the fault in our stars and everybody loves it. Otherwise, you need to do a series and you have to do a very exacting formula on the series and you have to have covers that market your book and blurbs that market your book. And there's an yeah. exact way you do that. And you have to set up your website and your newsletter and all of these things. Yes, there's platform building because you have to do shameless self-promotion on yourself as well as the marketing that um, 
the publication company does. Exactly. Yeah. And even as a self, whether you self-published, traditional published, it is now in our new age with social media and internet, every author has to build an author platform and the publishing company isn't going to do that for you or help you necessarily with right. that. Right. Uh, that's why a lot of authors go with literary agents and hope that they'll help them build that because the agent wants to get paid just as much as you do. But even then, you're, there's such so many gateways and red tape happening that award-winning books aren't getting published. Yeah. Um, strong writing isn't hitting the readers and even messages that probably should be out there. Uh, A.K. Snyder is one of the girls we've interviewed in the past. She had a wonderful book about her own experience of being the mom that gave up her daughter for adoption and how being an open adoption and how she overcame that, that decision and the grief that follows that she couldn't get picked up and she self-published. And that's such a great message that's missing for years, I think, with with modern uh, yeah. adoption stuff. Yeah. So And self-publishing, I'll let you talk in two seconds, Vanessa. I promise. <laughs> self-publishing, yeah. the problem with it is you have to be an author and you have to be a marketer. Like yeah. you have an entire job of being a business person. Yep. And that's where we came in and we decided to do what we did is we went, we're going to take all that business stuff pretty much away from the author and give you guidelines on what we want you to do. But in that you need to trust us that we understand what the cover needs to look like, what the typeset yeah. needs to look like. Um, some of the blurb stuff and things like that. We're very right. good at going you know what, we're going to sell you because that's what a cover is. We yes. joke all the time about Fabio was on like almost 500 covers, 488. 466 known covers. Known. Exactly. But if you open that book, <laughs> the character in that book is not Fabio. Like that's not what was in the book. He was just on the cover and sold the cover. So that's, that's the difference with us. What were you going to say, Vanessa? Well, also, it, when you were talking about how much it costs to get an editor, that breaks my heart because I know exactly what you're talking about. There's so many people trying to get someone to give them honest feedback. Because, like, if you give it to someone, and obviously you're, you're lucky because your wife has a degree in English, but a lot of people just rely on the average person to go in and critique the book, but they're not going in from the perspective of what the, a regular editor would. And so a lot of times when you're self-publishing, it is very expensive to try to get a decent editor to take good, you know, and a lot of people just don't have the money to mm -hmm. pay for that. So it's, you know, we want to be able to have someone look at your book get the best out of it into your vision, but at a way that it makes it easier for you to afford it as well. Exactly. And that's the thing too, is that uh, unfortunately a lot of self-published people, even if they get quote unquote editing, they're not getting it from pacing, correct grammar, and you can right. throw a reader out of your story where they have zero interest in continuing with your book because it's hard for them to read, even though you may have the most epic story yeah. in the world. Yeah. Very few people, especially in today's day and age, it's interesting because that's one of the questions we'll ask you, but like we always ask authors, when you read a book, will you read it to the end? Or if there's a problem, will you just be done with it, right? And most <laughs> of them now say, They'll just be done with reading yeah. because it's taking your time to do that. Well, right. you're not going to have that next sale and that next sale because all these guys, you know, um, that sell a lot of books, Dan Brown, you brought up those books with the angels and the demons. That's because every time Dan Brown releases, he has literally millions of people that just hit the buy button. Doesn't matter what he's releasing. They just keep hitting yeah. buy. Right. And, you know, that's part of the technique of being successful. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Also, a lot, <laughs> thing is that a lot of people have the like the wrong expectation of what an editor does for someone like an editor is more than just you know commas and grammar checks and spelling words like they're there to take the make your story and get to the heart of what you are trying to do and a lot of people have like really bad experiences with freelance editors because they feel like the editor is changing their voice and changing this but that's if that if that is the case then that's not a good editor an editor is there to help you work with you to get the best story out yeah. there that is still in line with your vision. Can you right. tell that Vanessa's one of the editors? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's so are you, are you the editor for Four Horsemen? Well, no, I'm one of two. One of two. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so hopefully that answers your question. You can always, uh, you look this up, we can always chat after this about that if you want to yeah. go down that rabbit hole with us, absolutely. It's funny, this is not it's the funny about you talking about the reading the books, the authors reading the books, they, they get started, then they stop, and I probably picked up um, at least half a dozen or more books uh, in the last several months and, and probably put it down after first few chapters. I actually have one book that I actually finished reading from front to back just recently, and, and, and it wasn't... Um, it wasn't that the book itself was famous. It, it, made, it became a famous movie, or, or not a famous movie, but a decent movie. It's uh, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I actually read that from, from front to back. So. Uh, well, that's, that's there's a reason it got made into a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody finished the whole book and went, we should make this into a movie. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the writing style for a little bit. Um, are you a plotter? Are you a pantser? Or how do you, how do you get do you have world building books? What do you do? How to explain to us your writing style? Well, when I'm when I'm in the um, writing mode, when when I have something uh, a project to work on, like this recent one, um, you know, a lot a lot of it depends on the, the time I have available, and I'll take advantage of probably doing two hours a, a day or so. I don't want to get too wrapped up into it. Um, now, if it, at the very beginning, when you get the ideas to come out, um, it's probably more like four hours. But, but once the idea is there and you're just trying to put the pieces together like a puzzle, that's more like two hours a day. Do you and, plot it out first? Do you do an outline? No, no I don't really. Um, you're a pantser. You're yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're, I have this idea. I actually, I actually tried to and I'm a planter. I'm a, I do a little bit of both, but yeah. if the characters start going down the unbeaten path, I'm like, oh, where are you going, buddy? I'm going to write this down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the way I am. I mean, I tried it before the other way with the outline, but I, I've gotten so far off the outline. It's just pathetic. So I just gave up on it. So it's, yeah, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read things. I'll see things. I'll hear things. I got to break that down. I have my little phone. I start writing notes and stuff. And this, okay, where can I insert this? And then, and, and, oh, yeah, this would be good right here. You know, that, that kind of thing, you know. That's awesome. So um, how long does it take? How much do you get done? So if you sit down for two hours, how long do you get done? Uh... Now, nowadays, since I'm kind of like on the, the second draft and I take two hours on the second draft, I can probably get two, two full chapters uh, pretty good um, in, in two hours. Wow. Uh, that, that's Depending on the length of your chapter, that's roughly three to 6,000 words. Yeah, actually. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, actually, in my second draft, 
like I said, going through it the second time and making sure everything sounds right. It's it's about um, when I when I spend two hours in the afternoon, like say for example, eleven to one or or twelve to two or something like that. I, I can get a good solid chapter in and maybe a little bit into the the next. Not 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 really two complete chapters, uh, but one for good sure. And a lot of times I'll just go back over that one and make and uh, cross the T's and dot the I's and make sure it sounds right. So yeah, in those two hours, uh, at least a good chapter. So um, as far as editing, my wife now has uh, let's see the first. I think it's 13 or 15 chapters of part one and um, she hasn't finished that yet and I think I'm up to five chapters of part two where, where I've kind of said okay this is what I want for sure now chapter six through I don't know 15 to 20 somewhere in there I have a lot of stuff out there it's just not put together into the puzzle yet yeah. I gotta kind of arrange it <laughs> As a um, as a writer, what do you feel like your um, uh, little problem areas are? Like, I feel all writers have different problem areas. I have too many story ideas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's like squirrel. Like I'm writing this squirrel. <laughs> I have a whole other book I'm going to start writing. No, you're not. Um, so, <laughs> but. Um, what, what do you feel like your problem? Do you have a word you repeat? Do you have like a, you know, we have an author that all they, everybody shrugs. So much shrugging. We have to literally just do control find shrug and get rid of all that first when we're starting <laughs> on our book. So. Um, I used to early on found myself using a lot of the same words. I'm kind of a lot more careful with that now. Uh, so as as time progressed my writing has gotten better so my, my problems today aren't what they used used to be i'm a lot more confident in what i write and and um it's just a matter of and, and so the editors um seem you know when they send me back uh like like my wife sent me back stuff to edit it's a lot less than what it used to be in the very beginning um i mean i yeah, I'm not an English major. I mean, I do have two master's degrees, so I'm, I'm not a, a complete dummy. But, you know, I, 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 I'm I not an English major, so, yeah, I may have some words not quite right or used it right in the right particular phrase or used too many double words and, think, you know, little little things like that. Um, I don't see that to be too big of a problem when I when I go through the story because we can always go back and fix it and, and, uh, and whatnot. I... As a writer, like I said, uh, writing is not my my problem. Finding the time to write is probably my biggest problem as a writer. But beyond the writing is, is the marketing, is is uh, the blurbs, coming up with the right blurbs, uh, finding the right covers, like you were talking about earlier, uh, getting the word out to the right, having that platform. platform uh, who, who's your who's your target audience? Is it are you wanting military? Are you wanting young people? um who, who are you wanting in all this you know and um so th those are the kind of uh, the biggest challenges is the, is the post writing really no totally that that makes sense okay let's talk about you as a reader what um as far as uh reading goes you said that you started a bunch of books and you've done that what throws you out of the story the most 
Um, I'd say intrigue, um, uniqueness, uh, original originality, um, and uh, a, an excellent development of, of character. We can kind of get into their emotion. Um, that's that's what keeps me going. If um, and that's what I liked about uh, No Country for Old Men. There, there, there was a lot of that from different cast of characters of what what they were, the struggles they were going through, and and how they came about combining, uh, coming together against each other, um, conflicting with each other, and and whatnot. And how also in this particular case there really wasn't any winners. You know, it was, just, it was like a um, wow. Yeah. You, you know, somebody should have came out on top somewhere. But nobody <laughs> did. <laughs> nobody did. You know. <laughs> Try telling that to George. It, it, seemed, it seemed very realistic, though. <laughs> no, totally. Um, okay, cool. So, what what is coming after the one you're presently doing? Do you already have your next idea in mind? Well, yes and no. Um, I <laughs> actually. <laughs> I actually had three other books um, that I was going to come out with in the past. They've been on hold for one reason or another and until this one, Silence in Heaven, came. All of a sudden, just came out of nowhere, um, came up, focus on that, and now going out. So these other three have been sitting on the shelf. One, one is um, called uh, Star, Stardusk, D-U-S-K, not with the T. That's too original. It's about a. Uh, it's 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 about uh, a um, Iroquois Indian scout who works for uh, George. It's a historic novel, uh, fiction. Works for George Washington when he was a major. When when he fought with the British against the French and Indians. And this Indian, her she was uh, a seventeen-year-old scout that um, brought back all this information to to George Washington and they. And so that that's that story. And then there was another one. It was a, a mystery on the lines of um, Agatha Christie's. Um, then there was one or there was 10. I can't remember where one by one there started disappearing and there's 10. Uh, and I can't remember the title of it. anyways along those lines. This setting was in Iraq. There was um, different uh, soldiers. There was an. Um, there was a, an officer from this unit. There was a sergeant from this unit. There were different soldiers coming together, and they were sent to this outpost on the Iranian and Iraqi border, and one by one they were disappearing. And so there was a mystery on that one. And then finally, the third one I have on the shelf was a throwback to 1973 set in San Jose, Costa Rica in an American high school. And that's based on my experience, but it's, it's a novel, and they come across this uh, – uh, abandoned uh, church where a murder took place and uh, it involves KGB and all that other stuff too. So wow. I like you always find like a, a little bit of a way to tie in the military angle, but all these different, like from murder mystery, the romance to historical, but at the core of it, you always bring in that military element. And I, I like, I, I think that's a great way of branding yourself that way. Yeah. Uh, Cause they can expect a variety of military work. There, there was some, somebody who wanted me to brand myself as that military thriller. They just wanted everything to say military thriller. And to me, I was too one-dimensional. I wasn't able to 
kind of do romance one day, apocalyptic the next day, or fantasy this day. You know, I, I kind of still want that freedom to, to do that. Although underlining, like you said, is mili- there's always that military underline. However, um, the one in Costa Rica, I, I guess, yeah, I could have a, a military thing to it. But that one, and this is where I have a lot more stories where that came from. Um, because before I joined the military and spent 25 years in the military, my, my parents were, uh, were missionaries and we traveled all over the United States from, from downtown Chicago to the hills of Tennessee. And I went to like 13 different schools. So we also went to South America, Mexico, Costa Rica, Colombia. And so I have all those kind of stories too, that don't necessarily have to do with the military, but have to do more with the young adult type stuff as a high schooler. And, uh, like for for example, in 1979, uh, a buddy and I we 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 flew down to um, this was after we left South America. We were in college. We flew down to Medellin, Colombia, where he was from, and then we started hitchhiking from there all the way down to Lima, Peru, down down the coast. So those make good stories too, novels. Yeah, that sounds terribly <laughs> safe. No, <laughs> not well, anymore. That's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is back in the 70s, although some people would say, well, it wasn't safe then either. <laughs> no, Ted Bundy. No, it wasn't safe then. <laughs> um, oh, you, Scott, you have been amazing to talk to. Thank you so uh-huh. much. I appreciate um, that. How do people find you? We're yes. going to do the shameless self-promotion part of yes. this podcast. How do people find you? How do they find me? Um, uh, good, good question. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're just, if you're looking for him, it's Scott A. Meehan. Yeah, you know, that's, you, if you Google me, okay, I, I, I tried this, and, and I, I taught college, and I, we, we experimented with this with everybody's name. If you if you just put Scott Meehan on Google, a lot of people will come up, and all my stuff's going to be way down in the bottom. Now, it comes up with Scott A. Meehan, it comes up a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot more of me and my, my links are towards the top, but most of all, if you put major Scott A. Meehan because of my rank in there, everything's me. There's no one, no other major Scott A. Meehan out there. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So I hope everybody remembers that major Scott A. Meehan. Do you have a website or Twitter or Instagram? Yes, I, um, I can send all you all that information to you also, uh, Twitter, uh, um, I'm on, um, I have two different, actually three different uh, Facebook pages with, with as an author, um, and so I, I can send those to you, I do have Twitter, I have uh, Instagram, Pinterest, and um, uh, I have my own website, however I keep changing it, for example, I had one with GoDaddy, but but the subscription ran out uh, recently and they wanted like 200 some dollars and I, I wasn't ready to pay it. So I, I started another free one with Wix. And so I'm starting that one again. And, and that's the one I'll, I'll send you. It's got, a, it's got the information about silence in heaven on it. Uh, the other one doesn't. Awesome. So, Readers, be sure to check our description for this podcast for all the links to contact Scott Behan and Private Books. Yeah, so we're going to help Scott and okay, great. something else get you I'll straighten out here because I feel like I'll make sure you have the updated list. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Wiss. I've been Valerie Lewis. And our guest has been Scott Meehan. And we will see you next time. Woo! Woo!